Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Working class on DeerCast episode 102, I think. I have Mr. Rachel Bouchak join me via the witchcraft, aka the dark web. How are you? Good. How are you? I think you're doing better than I am. I, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> For sure better than me. Uh, but probably you're probably not doing better than your husband, Andy. Well, that's arguable. That's he. He's complaining all week that I stole his thunder mm. and I shot his buck. So, okay. Okay. Well, I don't know if he's an earshot of me, but you guys are going to be here at the WCB studio in like three weeks, four weeks. Yep. Yeah. And we're going to let him in person deep dive on his frustrations that you're running through <laughs> from this point forward. And what's well, funny because we just had episode 100 like the couples therapy and we started off the season so strong and now we're already like a little going head to head a little <laughs> well i think in that episode i said something about how it's andy's year yeah you did and yep. andy killed i mean within days of that podcast basically from the time that podcast aired to when or when we recorded it to when it launched he killed an elk and a mule deer is that his mule deer yeah. right behind you uh yeah that's the meal there. Hard to see, I guess. But yeah, we just got that back. Looks good. Real good. We're, we're going to shoulder mount it, but for now, it's just. Yeah, the time being. Well, um, okay. People know you from our series, right? But if they don't, give us a quick introduction to, to I always say Mr. as a joke because I said it that one time, but to who the hell you are. Yeah, Rachel Bushak. I'm based in Northwest Pennsylvania. I have been hunting my whole life. Um, dad started me hunting young, and so I've been hunting, let's see, 25 years now. It kind of shows my age. <laughs> um, most of my hunting was in Pennsylvania until 
about five years ago when um, Andy invited me on a trip, you know, hunting trip. And I, I'm like, are you sure? You know, shouldn't it be a boys trip? And he's like, no, you can come. And ever since then, I've, I've been hunting out of state every year now too, just trying to, you know, take new adventures. So. Yeah. All right. It's good. Good background. You're on the podcast a ton. So we don't got to go too into detail. People, yeah. I think, know you for the most part. Yeah. So we uh, we keep in close contact, you, you and Andy, and I, and you're part of you're the eastern half of the middle of the map crew. Devin Leonard's on that as well. Our Utah buddy, who, which we have a lot of like camp podcasts. I think we're going to do in that couple yeah. weeks man, when you guys are here. But you're already punching whitetail tags early in Pennsylvania, which I'm, I'm pumped for because I think you'll have more fun when you guys are here now that yeah. you already have the PA tag punch. So yeah. uh, let's talk about some early season success here. Let's just get into it. Yeah. Um, we actually weren't even in Pennsylvania for opening day because we were still on our Colorado trip. So actually opening day of Pennsylvania archery was Saturday, September 30th this year. And that's the day Andy killed his mule deer in Colorado. So we didn't get home from that trip until like Monday night, I think. So I think Tuesday was the first day I hunted. Um, and I, so we hunt like a few different properties and we've got a couple of target bucks at each property. Um, so I wasn't after like a specific deer. I had one that I've been chasing for a few years, but he's basically a ghost. So mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to kill something before Illinois, just so that I could spend a little bit more of my rotation from work in Illinois. I know I should spend all of it there, but you know, you're, you want to kill something in your home state. Like you put a lot of work and stuff into it. Well, yeah, um, you have a hard advantage. You want to shoot deer that you're familiar with. You want to like yeah. pattern a buck and kill a deer that you know, that type of thing. Yeah. I get it. Um, so, you know, we had a, a few different bucks kind of, we had our eye on. Um, the buck I, I killed, we weren't really familiar with him. He showed up on camera right before we left for Colorado. So I don't have a ton of history with him. Although we just realized we might have a shed from like two years ago, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, we have a shed that has like the same little split. So, um, but anyway, so I wasn't necessarily targeting the specific buck, but Andy was. So (laughs) he's telling everyone I shot his buck. Um, but when we got back from Colorado, um, Andy went to hunt this specific property where I ended up killing this buck and we have no cell service there. So they're just, you know, regular trail cams. So he changes the, he hunts there and changes the cards on his way out. And we get back and we saw that this buck was had daylighted opening day when we were in Colorado. And then let's see a couple of days, then we didn't have the right wind for it. So a couple of days later, we did have the right winds and I went in and hunted that stand and he didn't show up, but I pulled the card while I was in there and he was, he was there in daylight the day between Andy hunting there and and me hunting there. We just didn't have the right wind that day. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, really, this was like the most patternable buck (laughs) we've ever had, which I mean, it's not saying a lot, like, but I just think with how pressured PA is like, as soon as season starts, those deer, those deer know, like, even if you, you have a good entry and exit, there's so many other people around and in the woods that like they catch on pretty quickly. And so we've really never had like any 
mature buck hitting the same camera in daylight multiple times in a row. So some like when you get that intel normally, you know, you pull your camera card and you see that that buck's on camera and you go try to hunt him like you're chasing something that already happened. Like it's not likely to happen again. Yeah. Um, at least that's what we've seen in the past. So this was seemed like a pretty killable buck. Um, the the property, it's a family property. We put in uh, a food plot and we've been working on this plot for multiple years. Um, in theory, like it should be just a killer location, but it really took a few years for us to like figure it out and get it established. But it's basically, it's between um, a big clear cut, a ton of bedding and like a destination ag field. But it's even itself is kind of like in the bedding. It's all like overgrown red brush, which we cleared out a lot, you know, to put in the plot, but we also cleared out a lot to open up some apple trees. There's a lot of apple trees on the property. So it's a great like transition, right? From bed, they'll hang out there. It's very secluded. Um, they feel comfortable there, you know, before they go out to the ag fields. And the only problem is like, the deer show up there super early in the day. Like they start moving because it's so secluded. And so a lot of times during the week, I have a hard time hunting there. I just can't get off work in time. You're, you're bumping deer going in, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it worked out that it was a Saturday. Um, hey, something I want to, I want to touch on. Cause I think there's like a good conversation in there. When you talked about like, he was the most predictable buck you've ever had. I do think too, like, you know, from PA, I know there's, I'd be curious to see like how many more, and I'm sure the statistic is out there and maybe you know it, but like how many more hunters there are in PA during bow season versus like Illinois, because also I, I do know, like it's not common for a big mature deer to like just easily be like, Oh, there's this pattern. He's going here every night. You know, like mm -hmm. in Illinois, it's very rare. Even, even though I consider a lot of the places I hunt low pressure by design, like I stay out of it. Other guys that hunt stay out of it. It's kind of, there's low pressure is I'm capable of getting them, I guess, you know, excluding like random third party factor farmer, anybody else rolling through trespassers, all that stuff. And I, I don't really think I have or have had in several years, like a buck that's like, Oh, he's for sure going to be in that plot. Yeah. You know, like that's even rare. I think here too. Now to what scale I think is debatable there, but I don't have that. You know what so, I mean? It's a fun yeah. conversation. You'll you'll laugh because I'm I'm like the math statistics person. So I actually I saw this not too long ago. I think it was in like a National Deer Association magazine or something. And it's not specific to bow hunters, but I think it was something like PA has 10 or 11 hunters per square mile. And most of the Midwest has about three or four hunters per square mile. So wow. it's not bow hunting specific, but it just kind of gives you, and I've noticed it, it, it's worse than I thought because now that I've, I've been, I filled my buck tag and I haven't been hunting this week and he's not letting me hunt. <laughs> I want to go doe hunt, but he wants me to stay out of the woods. Um, I've been kind of driving around with binoculars and just doing some glassing from the roads uh, this week. And there are trucks everywhere. Like, I think it's worse than I realized. And it probably got worse. I mean, not, not that there's anything wrong with crossbow hunting, but I think when it was just compounds in bow season, it probably wasn't that bad. But now I think 
a lot more people are participating in archery season that now that PA allows crossbows during archery, um, which I mean, that was changed a long time ago, but it's just, there's trucks everywhere. And it says worse, I think it's worse than I even realized. You know, so when you're in when you're in the woods, you don't realize how many other people are in the woods, you know. Yeah, I think for sure, because there's a lot of times where. I don't know, I, I see it the, the worst, obviously, during like Illinois firearm season, everyone's yeah. wearing blaze orange and like properties aren't as big or if they are like, you know, you can see a lot, especially if we're in like rolling hill country mm-hmm. or if it's flat. In Illinois. I say rolling hill country in Illinois, like hills or no hills, depending on where you're at in Illinois, not yeah. like mountain hills, but. And you can just see like wood rows and fence lines and stuff. And you can just see people peppered throughout. But so that, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. But like going back to that, even, and I don't hunt, I think people automatically and at more lately in the last six months, we'll just say the last season, say the last year of hunting to just kind of round it up. I think for some reason we are now being categorized into the, like the, um, I don't know. It's just because we're friends with Mark Jury. Mm-hmm. But like you we, have big properties and stuff. Right. Yeah. Like we have, and not everybody sees it that way. People who really listen to the show get it. But I think people that see it from a blanket term now that like in some people's eyes, we are these big time guys and that we have all this property and that, you know, I have this giant clover field that's 20 acres and it's just for that. And I have, we have all this ag equipment and, and then I'll just have a big buck come out that's patterned and untouched. And mm-hmm. I think that we get lumped into that now, yeah. which is weird, yeah. weird. And so not, it doesn't apply. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. wow, if they, if they do, if someone does think that it's like, well, thanks, but so far from well, the truth. Even the people that hate on the breweries for having so much property, it's like they worked hard to get that. Like, you know, it's yeah. yes, it makes deer maybe less pressured when you own more ground, but like you can't hate on someone for working hard and you know, pursuing some pursuing a dream. Like I have I have a side vent to that too. We're getting a little off topic, but I think it's a <laughs> conversation here. And, and obviously we're gonna come back to your buck. But um I, I recently shared Lee Lakowski's buck post and I didn't say anything on it. I just shared it and it was yeah. like People were giving him hell for, and and I might be missing something because I've I've been trying to scale off of like reading comments and so much, but basically people were hating on him because they thought that he didn't tag the deer and then moved it and then tagged it or something. And my point is being uh, we shared it right, and then some people were kind of like, "Well, it's an open door. If you guys are about calling people out, then you got to call them out." I'm like, "Well, first of all, we've talked about." if it was cut and dry, like he didn't tag it, he had a tag for the deer. He tagged the deer. You know, he killed it legally. Lee Likoski doesn't need to go and poach a deer. Yeah. Um, I mean, now there's perfect examples of people on TV that do it. But one comment I saw on our post had nothing to do with whether or not the tagging was uh, right or wrong and how it was done and how it was portrayed. Blah, blah, blah. Who cares about that right now? We're not talking about that right at this second. Someone said, who cares about TV hunters? They shouldn't be paid to hunt. Their land is paid for by corporate sponsors. This, this, and this. Who cares? Show me so-and-so, and I much rather care. But when I read that, like, okay, I get the point he's trying to make. But at what point did they go from being a hardworking, down-home hustler of a couple, 
from Minnesota or wherever they found that risked it all and moved and busted his tail and earned all this stuff and slowly got ground and worked with companies and then bought equipment and farms his own ground. At what point in that scale from his come up, I guess, if you would say from the bottom to where he's at now, at what point did he pass the, the, the scale of now everybody can say, screw this guy His hard work doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. At what point can people in Pennsylvania say Rachel tagged out early, screw her. It's just her property. At what scale is it okay to start saying, screw that guy? Because it's not like he slacked off and got lazy and it was all hand. He's still working. You know what I mean? Right. And if you killed a bunch of deer and someone said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to sponsor you or pay you to use my product that you already use and just promote it anyway. And you're now making enough that you can quit the job that you hate to go hunt and make money by promoting products you're already using. Wouldn't you like who wouldn't, you know, Every one of those yeah. dudes that, that comment that stuff. If let's just throw example, you know, whatever example out that X hunting brand company, that dude finally puts in some hard work kills a deer or has a hunting team or a podcast or a project or a social page. And they're like, Hey, we want to throw you a little bit of money or uh, take you on a whitetail hunt in the Midwest and you can kill a deer. Do you think any of those dudes would turn down the check or the hunt or the product or anything? No, right. they could say they would for the sake of me saying this, Adam to yeah. them. Well, it's the same thing. And again, we're going down a rabbit hole, but it's the same it. thing with like you guys going to Africa or your elk hunt and people saying, oh, you're not working class anymore. It's like, why, would anyone turn down those opportunities? Like you've worked hard you've, and I've seen that firsthand. Like you work your butt off, you're stressed all the time. You barely sleep. Like, you know, and I can say that because I know you personally now is like, I, you know, you should get all of those things. You worked hard for them. You deserve them. You know, yeah. it's, anyway. I just, I, I thank you for saying that. But <laughs> when I saw some of those comments on Lee's stuff, it's like, yeah. What point is it cool to like, screw these guys. It's like, well, well mm -hmm. you know what yeah. I mean? It's so, I know, unfair. When I sent you, um, when you were going to post Andy's mule deer, right. And I sent you those pictures that thought went through my head of, when we first found that buck and took pictures before we had moved him, before we had field dressed him, we took pictures. And that's a picture I sent you. And there's no tag on that deer. We tagged it before we moved it. Um, there's a picture where he's carrying the head and the cape on his backpack and you can see the tag there. But that went through my head is if, if Kurt's posting these on the working class page, is someone going to say, oh, it's not properly tagged? We, it was tagged legally, but just not in that photo, right? You have to tag it before you move it. Mm -hmm. And, but there's just so many people that think they're internet police that, you know, are going to jump all yeah. over that. And it's like, I don't want you to get criticism for that. But I mean, that that's why I mean. thing does not bother me, right? Like, um, it'd be different if it was like, oh, you never, you didn't have the tag in the first place and you were out of state or, and then you didn't have a tag for that state or, uh, but never got called in or reported correctly. Here's the thing. Mm -hmm. If you shoot the deer and I know you have the tag and you shot it legally within shooting hour and everything's legit and you get down there and take a photo real quick because mm -hmm. you're excited, you're appreciating the animal, you're in the moment. And then you put it down and then you tag it and call it in and do all your thing and then gut it and get it out of there. Yeah. I don't care at all. Now, if you 
do it illegally. You never had the tag. You're doing it just for bragging rights or to make yourself feel cool. And it's, it's not legit. And you're cutting corners and stealing a resource from everybody else who's doing it right. Then I have an issue. Mm -hmm. It it's crazy that we're deciding to attack that. Yeah. When you have other people that are still producing content and have poached and everybody knows they've been poached and they've been fined and feed and went to court and all this and people are still eating that up mm -hmm. it's like just because i don't know it just blows my mind like let's pick our battles here let's yeah. call out the real shit bags yeah yep that's all i'm I saying agree. so <laughs> get lost but i i just thought that was like a fun like side thing to get into and i've been thinking about it a lot it's been like that's that's a that's something that's annoying. Like we could all do better as a hunting community on that one. I agree. hundred percent. Yeah. But anyway, you're <laughs> working your butt off and killing deer early. Yeah. This is the earliest I've ever killed a deer by or ever killed a buck by far. Um, I think before this, the 23rd was the earliest buck I'd killed. So yeah. uh whitetail anyway. Um, so yeah, it was really exciting. But uh, so let's see. I don't know where I was at. So our food plot, I told you a little about our food plot setup. Um, yeah. It's all like, like I said, brush and everything. So we have a, a box blind in there. Um, we were talking about this a little bit before we hopped on. Is I'm not a big fan of hunting out of box blinds. Um, they're nice to have because you can put them in spots where you don't have a tree that's going to work. Um, they help with the scent. They help with the movement. But I don't feel as like connected to nature as I do in a tree. Um, I don't feel like I can see as much. I know I'm like more tempted to move around or look at my phone. Um, knowing whether like, should I keep the windows open or close and then have to open them slowly in the moment? Like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not quite used to archery hunting out of a box blind yet. There's so, so much like, added in factors to think about that you don't normally have to think about. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was raining that day, so it made sense to go to the box blind. Um, yeah, I, I knew I had to be out there and there was a good chance he was going to show up. Um, we had that cold front hit. I think it hit the Midwest on Friday. It hit us on Saturday. Um, we had some rain. The rain was supposed to stop. And you hear Mark Dury talk about this a lot. It's supposed like, you got to be there when that rain stops. Those deer get up on their feet. And it was supposed to stop like a half hour before dark. And so just all these factors are like, he's, he's probably going to be in this plot tonight. It's a, it was a clover plot. Um, and then, like I said, there were some, uh, apple trees in there too. So, um, I go to leave around three, which is pretty early. I think like it doesn't get dark till like seven 30. So, but like I said, they move in there pretty early. So I go to leave around three and I'm wearing black because, you know, being inside the blind, I'll wear black instead of camo. Well, I was wearing a black jacket that, um, you know, had a, a bigger collar on it. And I went to shoot my bow before I usually just shoot one arrow before I go out, went to shoot my bow and realized um, my, I don't know if it's my string or my fletchings, like hitting on that collar mm -hmm. and I was hitting way off. So I had to go back in and just put like a black hoodie on, go back out, shot my bow and it was shooting fine. So kind of importance there of, of shooting in your hunting gear. <laughs> yeah. Um, but because I did all that, I was running late. And so I got like a little flustered. And then uh, I driving to the property, 
this sounds silly, but like, I'm like, I believe in signs, you know, and on the way home from Colorado, and I'm sure maybe when we do like one of the middle of the map episodes, Andy can talk about this more, but his mule deer hunt, there were so many signs, like glaringly obvious signs that were sent to us that were like, this is going to work out. And so on the way home from Colorado, we were talking about how like all these signs, you know, appeared. And on my drive to the property to hunt that day, a black cat runs right in front of my truck. Like I almost hit it. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, this is a really bad sign. So now I'm neat. I have this black cat run in front of my truck. It's raining, which I, I've had good luck um, with killing bucks in the rain. I don't like doing it just because if you make a less than perfect shot, like the blood trail and everything. Um, but so there's all these things that are kind of flustering me. And as I'm walking into the blind, um, there were already deer moving and I bumped three deer going in. And so like, I was, I was almost like debating, do I back out and, and not hunt? Um, but I'm like, I kept telling myself and I'm pretty sure I even said it out loud to myself was like, make your own luck. Like you're prepared. You're here for a reason. Have confidence in yourself, you know? So I go on the blind, um, saw deer off and on again, I got in it. It was before four, um, saw deer off and on. And then around six, this, uh, this doe comes out to eat. And she's feeding under this apple tree. And all of a sudden she's facing me, but all of a sudden she looks back behind her and she gets spooked and she runs away. She like runs towards me. So I'm like, okay, either a buck's coming or a coyote. And sure enough, here he comes. And it's it's only six o'clock, like hour and a half pretty much before last light. And I'm like, holy crap, this is happening. Our food plot's only 40 yards by 40 yards. Like I can shoot I can, I can shoot the whole thing basically minus there is an apple tree in the middle and with a scrape tree off the side of that, that we put there. Um, so he's behind that apple tree. <laughs> so I don't have a shot at him and he's facing me and he'll like, he would feed and he would look up at the blind and he would feed and he would look up at the blind. Like nervous and, of the blind or just like, I don't know if, kind of nervous, but like not enough to spook off. Like he was just keeping, and I think it was because the window was open. So I had one window fully open right out in front of me. And then the two windows off to the side of that, like I had it half, just the top half was open. Um, my wind was perfect. Like, again, I was wearing all black, like I wasn't moving. I knew he didn't see me or smell me. I think he just didn't like that the window was open because he had been in that plot in daylight. Like, yeah. And there's no, and there was no other deer in the plot, right? To make him comfortable, I think. So I just being overly him. cautious, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched him feed for like a good twenty or more minutes, and then, and I thought if he turns broadside and gives me a shot, yes, he's at forty yards, but I'm confident in myself and my ability and my equipment to make that shot. Um, my dad gives me a lot of grief because he would never shoot that far at a deer, but. You know, we we practice all summer for out west and stuff. Um, I shoot a heavier air. Like I know that I I can shoot forty yards. Mm -hmm. Um, if if the deer is feeding and not alert, and I don't have to stop him because I do have a slower arrow, just being shorter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But so I, th I thought if he turns broadside and he's still feeding and I don't have to stop him, like I would take that shot. So I, I had my dial to 40 and he immediately turns, he's hard quartering and walking away. So now he's at like 45 going into the brush and I would have to stop him. And I'm like, I'm not, not taking that shot. So I, I let him walk off and I text Andy and I text my dad and I said, just had a shooter at 40, didn't have a shot, you know? And Aunt, my dad doesn't text me back because he went to a tree stand that night and he's getting soaking wet in the rain. So he didn't check his phone, but Andy texts me back and he's like, he'll be back. And so I kind of got my eye on that spot. And sure enough, like five minutes later, I could see him again. He didn't go far, but he was inside that brush. I could just kind of see the outline of his body and kept an eye on him. And it's amazing, like 30 minutes did not move. I thought he was bedded, but he's standing. He did not move for 30 minutes. Well, then out of the corner of my right eye, you know, I see uh, a deer walking into the plot and it's a spike and he goes right to the center of that plot. And I'm like, that spike is going to get this buck killed. And <laughs> Thanks, pal. <laughs> he and he did. So I look back at the buck and I see him like flicker his tail a little bit. And I was like, he's comfortable. Like that spike made him comfortable. And immediately he walked out into the plot and he came to 25 yards like he wasn't running but he walked straight in quick and but now it's 6:55, and last light i think was like 725 720 something like that so i had plenty of shooting light but inside the blind it's dark already mm -hmm. plus it's raining you know so it's a little darker to begin with i can't see my dial <laughs> remember i had it on 40 yeah so i I backed it all the way down to 20 and then like gave it a few little clicks to where I thought 25 would be. And um, so he's walking kind of towards me. So I had to wait till he got to like my side window, which again, luckily I had like half open, but I couldn't shoot that side window sitting down. Um, Cause I had it half, half yeah. the bottom half was closed. So I had to like stand up and switch windows and so while he's between windows, I draw back and stand up and then, and I lose sight of him, but have to like regain visual on the, when he pops in the next window and he was perfectly broadside. And so I did have to stop him because he was still walking. Um, and I almost found myself like punching that trigger, but I can hear, I think it's Jim Tomey, right? That always says, slow the game down. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it might be. I think so. I think it's um, Jim Tomey that always says slow the game down. But anyway, so I almost punched that trigger and I was like, slow the game down. Like you're rushing this. You have time. Yeah. Like settle in, you know, make a good shot. And did you feel more rushed in this process because of the box blind or did yeah. you feel like you had more time? No, I felt more rushed because I panicked losing sight of him. And mm. I was afraid like when he passed between the windows, that when he, when I found him again in the next window that he would already be looking at me and he would spook. And so I felt rushed to like shoot. And that's when I was like, no, he's not, he's not running. He's not spooked. Take your time, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, so like took my time, made a good shot. I watched that uh, lighted knock just pass right through him. And like, I knew, I knew it was a dead deer, which is, I didn't yeah. see him go down because you know, two bounds and he's back in that red brush and I, I lost sight of him and I couldn't hear anything because it's raining on the blind. <laughs> um, so I call Andy and I'm like, <laughs> I 
I'm like hyperventilating, like, I got him, I got him, I got him. And I said it like 10 times and he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. You know, yeah. I'm like I'm nervous about finding him because of the rain and everything. Um, but I know I got him, you know? So it was, that was a good feeling. Yeah. This is probably about, you probably texted me somewhere in the next 10 minutes of that shot from there. Yeah. Because so I decided, so I had, I shot him at 655. Um, I gave it to about 715. I just wanted to go look at my arrow because it was laying there um, and see what the blood looked like. So I, I waited about 20 minutes. And in that time I was like, I texted you because I, I knew you guys were going in to record episode 600 that night. And so I was texting you, my, I was still shaking and um, text, you know, my dad, my husband, my brother, whatever, trying to kill some time. And so then uh, I go down, look at my arrow, you know, painted red, you got some bubbles in there. I felt really good. So I went back in the blind to just stay dry until Andy could meet me over there and help me with the track and everything. Um, so yeah, that was. So tell me about the recovery process. So yeah, it was, it, I felt really good about it. Normally I would still give it some time just because yeah. I didn't watch him go down, but with the, I was a little worried with the rain. So Andy's like, if you feel good about it and you know, you're in that body cavity and everything, like, He's like, I know, you know, you know, he trusts my judgment and he's, he's like, let's, let's go look, at least take it a little ways and see what we see. Um, plus the arrow looked really good. So we took it just inside the red brush. And from there, it's like, it's so thick that you're kind of following an existing deer trail. Mm -hmm. so even though we weren't finding blood, we were kind of staying on the deer trail. This is the funny part. So <laughs> we, uh, he didn't bring any like flagging tape or anything. But I told him, because I was really confident that he was dead, I told him, bring some celebratory beers. And we didn't drink any until after we found him, but we used them as, like, to mark last blood. That's a good idea. <laughs> it was, like, a trail of bush light going through, going through the brush. Um, and then, we so we lost blood. And Andy's like, well, you know, we can wait till morning. Like, we don't have blood anyway. Um, or we can keep following this trail because like, where else is he going to go? It's very thick brush. And so we're like, let's keep following the trail. And we followed it and, and really didn't lead us to anything. And that point I'm like, let's just wait till morning. Like, I don't want to wait till morning, but it's going to be 40 degrees. You know, it's fine. So, and we don't, we don't really have a problem with coyotes. Um, so we, I think I text you. Cause you were trying to call me and I didn't have enough service down there to make a phone call. So I was trying to text you. And I think I text you, we're going to wait till morning. And Andy goes, go back and pick up all the bush lights. <laughs> so I go back and I'm like picking up all the bush lights and putting them in the cooler. And I get to the very last bush light and I realize the trail actually split. And we didn't notice that the first time we just kept following like the main trail. So I was like, I'm just going to peek down this little side trail. And I just see that white belly. Oh. So I think I text you, we're going to wait till morning. And then literally two minutes later, I text you, we found him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Because I remember I was like, you must have just been like right by him or whatever. That's But with the rain, you know, it kind of like, I don't know how it is in like in that red brush terrain, but like us, like it, it can mat some stuff down and kind of like blend the lines of like where a trail goes or like in your case where it would split off. Depends on how heavy the rain is in the timber, but um, oh, yeah, everything the gets rain matted. Like 
what leaves, and then like what leaves were there were red and wet. So everything looked like blood. Like it just, it, I was stressed out there for a little bit, but uh, I mean, I went back the next day to get the memory card out of the camera because he had walked in front of the camera and I wanted the picture of it. Um, and I stepped it off to see how far he went and it was less than 60 yards. Yeah. So you just jumped along them, didn't you? I would assume. Um, he quartered. So he was broadside when I shot, but he must've quartered away pretty quickly, like reacting to the, to the bow going off. But, um, so I got liver clipped the onside lung and straight through the offside lung. So money. Perfect. It's like, you know, it sucks to hit liver, but when you still hit both lungs and liver, it's kind of the best. It's like, yeah, I'll take it all. Yeah. Whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, awesome. That's killer. So that always feels good, especially like I kind of feel weird about box blinds too. I feel like I'm giving up opportunity to like go to the box blind. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. that makes sense to some people, but to me it does like, but I don't know. It's nice to switch it up, but in your case, it's like perfect. You know, if you yeah. have like a food source, it's the weather's not ideal. Like you really couldn't ask for a better situation. I know it worked out really well, worked out really well. So, and that it's funny because we've in the past, I'm like, this spot should be better. We've worked on this spot for a few years and there's all, I think we hunted it too conservatively. We always waited to hunt it because it, it feels like you're in the bedding. Yeah. And I think we should have been more aggressive because um, I'm really good about keeping track of old trail cam photos on my computer and I only save buck pictures. So, um, when I go back through prior years, um, a good tip is if you go in your folder where, oh, you froze up there. Everything good. Yep. We're good. Okay. It, did, it froze for like um, half a second for me, but we're good. Okay. So if you go in your folder and, um, where you save all your trail cam pictures and you put your settings to view view details instead of viewing like thumbnails you can see the date and time on all your pictures and sort them like chronologically and you can see like when's most like what days have the most daylight activity um That's smart yeah that's a really good idea and this particular spot for whatever reason is always good early and we never hunt it early and so like we've been working on establishing this spot for years and we haven't killed a buck out of it. Um, well, our niece killed a buck out of it last year with a crossbow, but um, we haven't killed a buck out of it. And after years of work and we're like, this should be a better spot. And then we kind of realized like it's an early spot. And then our other spot doesn't get good until, you know, the 20th or something. And so you have to kind of like be proactive, I think, about like looking at that or again you're always chasing like past photos um yeah, that's a great so think, you know like especially the folder data because you don't need anything special to just see the data from the photo just see dates know? and times that's like you know you're only saving pictures of i'm basically only saving pictures of good bucks mm -hmm. so if you look at what the dates and times where they're in daylight and it doesn't matter if it's a different buck like we're not in this instance, weren't really targeting one specific buck, you know, we're targeting a mature buck. And so what dates and times, um, or at least general time of year, are you getting the most daylight activity in that spot? Right. And I think too, I'm, I'm actually making some game plans, um, to set up some either I'm going to, I don't know. I might set up some stands this weekend. 
in anticipation for last year's trail cam data coming up for the next three weeks. So I'll be curious to see if the two deer that I have in mind do the same things they did last year. Now the X factor in this whole situation and the equation would be crop rotation. Do they do the same things same time of year with the crop rotation? Mm -hmm. I think if the does are there, they probably will, but I'm, I'm going to be doing the same thing over the next few weeks. What you just mentioned, like I've been looking at last year's trail cam data on the big bucks that I kept. And I'm like, okay, there's October 17th. That deer's there in daylight. Should I go and anticipate that deer doing the same thing in like a five day span? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good tips. Really good tips. That's a, the simple one is just running the data and the finder or whatever app on mm-hmm. your computer. That's a, that's a, overlooked tip i think so yeah i'm no. getting worse about saving pictures though because now everything's like cell cam luckily yeah. this like at this spot we can't get cell cams so uh worked out but yeah it, but- i'm hoping i'm hoping andy can get a buck down soon so we can get to illinois because i'm so excited for our little- stress-free illinois hunt yeah stress-free illinois hunt um getting the middle of the map crew back together it's going to be awesome. I think yeah. Andy's got a lot of time. You know, the next few weeks, there's going to be a cold front or two slammed in there somewhere, hopefully. And uh, he's, I mean, he should be freaking not stressed at all with a mule deer and a great mule deer and a, and a great elk under his belt already this season. Plus, I look at you guys as a team. So I know he's just as stoked for you get killing that deer as he would be getting it. But it's funny to he hear is. him say that you shot his deer. I think that's hilarious. We, we're definitely a team and he's so he's so happy for me just i was so proud of him out in colorado like but we like to give each other a hard time we like to be competitive too and all of his friends like to give him a hard time that like his wife shows him up so (laughs) there's worse problems like not getting to go at all yeah yeah so his birthday is the 15th and he's never killed a buck on his birthday but it's sunday and we can't hunt Maybe look for some of them signs you were talking about, and maybe like Saturday or Monday can yeah. pay off. Like just yeah. touches. Yeah. I want him to kill the buck I was after because that would be really cool. But. Well, we'll have to get the full season up to speed on the next middle of the map episode we're going to do in November. Um, Rachel, congratulations on early season tag and PA. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are killing it. I'm happy for you guys. Thanks for jumping on randomly in the middle of the day to do this podcast with me, but, uh, it's, I love podcasting, but I hate it during hunting season Yeah, because yeah. I'm like trying to think ahead, still want to get the content out. So it's very sporadic schedules. And I, after this week, I'm literally blowing off every other responsibility in my life, except for episode deadlines. And I'm hunting. It is. Here's a little piece of motivation for the people. If you don't mind, if I go on another tirade here, Rachel, do it. The next four weeks ahead of us right now, and maybe a little longer, maybe a little less, depending on where you're at and your situation, are the most critical for passionate hunters everywhere. Your wife wants to drag you to your sixth cousin's wedding, da-da-da. No, you're not going. You're going hunting. You'll be there after with a cold beer. Do you get drug out to do this because so-and-so wants to go watch football or golf on Saturday morning, but you want to hunt? Tell them no. It is, you have a small window of time 
to do what we think about and obsess about and put hard work into throughout the year when we can. And now's your time to enjoy it. You're worried about what a deer is going to do, but you don't want to be too aggressive. Go get aggressive because you're not going to have many more weeks of hunting. Like you're going to have the next four weeks. Go after it. I don't get this. Like guys want to talk about going hunting, but they bring up this excuse. It's almost like people work harder for reasons not to go hunting than to just go. Mm-hmm. Our buddy Nick Morris said on a deer cast episode, I don't know, a handful of episodes. Sometimes you don't need a game plan. Just go hunting. See what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I got some messages from some great guys. It's nothing against them, but it's kind of like the fault of the industry. I want to go to the spot, but there's been no deer on this trail camera. or They're not big enough or whatever. Sometimes you just go. I think a lot of the personalities nowadays in the industry are so set on, oh, I'm only hunting with purpose. And there, I, there's times to talk about that. But sometimes if you don't have any reason to hunt with purpose or a buck to target in the moment, were you just going to not go hunting all year? So you can stroke your ego and be like, oh, I didn't have a buck. I was trying to pattern on minute five of my hunt on day 10. And what? just go hunting. What are yeah. we doing? At a certain yeah. point, what are we doing? Go hunting. And stay positive. When things are going wrong, they can change in an instant. Like you wait all year for this. Enjoy it. You know, don't let things get you down and just enjoy your time in the woods. Even if you don't see a deer, like you're, you're out there, you know? Um, I think I am kind of on the other end of the spectrum from those guys making those comments of like, I, I want to be out there every second of legal shooting hours. You know, I want to be out there to where I probably, um, pressure my spots a little bit too much. And I think that's where little plug for deer cast, like that's where I use deer cast because I have enough spots that I can say I'm only going to my good spots. If deer cast is good or great, I'm still going to hunt. I, I, I'm yeah. not going to let anyone tell me not to hunt. I'm still going to hunt. But I sometimes make a judgment call of like, oh, well, even though the weather is not good or the conditions aren't right, I'm, and the weather and the wind might be marginally wrong. Like I'm still going to give it a shot in this spot. And I would, I would burn out some of my spots. So I made a rule for myself that like deer cast is say good or great for me to go to my good spots. And if it doesn't, I'm going to a spot where maybe I won't have as high opportunity of, of killing deer, but I can still scout and see deer. I'm still hunting, right? You're still sure. out there. Deercast definitely helps with that. Uh, oh, feedback. Deercast definitely helps with that. Like if it says bad, it's easy to like. Okay, I'm gonna do my honey dues now. You know, whatever. Like for sure. But like, if your wife wants to nag you for doing what you're passionate about, like we talked about the couples therapy like session. It's like, tell her. I w- this is Deercast. So tell her to screw off. Like I'm going hunting, and, and I'll be at the function or the whatever after dark. I'll be there. But it's go time. So yeah. it's just the excuse makers and all the shit of must be nice people and all that. that <laughs> what happens is they all fall into the, they work hard to find an excuse not to go sometimes. And you know what happens? Killers kill. And when, and people who really enjoy hunting and will make hunting a priority are typically more successful than people who aren't. And they're out there hunting while they're moping around at the farmer's market on November 1st on a Saturday morning, buying pumpkin cakes and pies and shit with their wife when we're out there enjoying the frosty leaves and just enjoying what 
we're out there to enjoy. I get mm-hmm. it. Do your thing. But uh, I'm just saying, I spoke my piece. I don't even know. I'll get myself in trouble <laughs> if I keep going. You know what I mean? Buy yourself, buy your wife her pumpkin lattes and her pumpkin muffins and all that bullshit. But when it's time to go, you better be going. Yep. Spoken like a true idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. I'm, I was in a rant type mood. Sorry, I ruined your episode, Rachel. <laughs> I love your rants, Kurt. I love it. Thanks. Thanks. Well, we miss you. We're excited to see you guys in a few weeks. Middle of the map crew unite. Tell Andy to go uh, fill those tags. I know you're not going to tell him not to go hunting. I don't know. He's always allowed to go hunting. <laughs> allowed. He's not the, I mean, he's not at the bar. He's not anywhere he's not supposed to be. He's out hunting, filling the freezer. Yes. That's what we look for, you know? Cool. Well, where can people find you, Rachel? Um, Instagram, I'm Bitty Boosh. Cool. We'll tag you. How's that? Yeah, sounds good. Cool. Good luck the next few weeks. Uh, stay out of the woods and let Andy have all the fun. And uh, best of luck to Andy. And we'll catch up with you guys here soon. Our bear season starts Saturday. And I've always wanted to kill a PA black bear. We don't have many of them in our area. But last year, Andy had an opportunity at one. It was a smaller one, so he didn't shoot it. But I told Andy, I'll be in the woods starting Saturday. I gave him till Saturday, but I'm going back out. Even if he doesn't want me to kill a doe, just <laughs> I'm just in case there's a bear out there. <laughs> well, good luck. That'd be awesome. Pull off the impossible there, but well, cool. Well, good luck on your bear tag. Good luck to Andy. Good luck to everybody tuning into this, uh, wherever you're tuning in. Uh, take some of my words of advice. Throw me under the bus with the family. Just like, hey, look, Kurt said I had to do this. Yeah, he's he's a dick, but he told me. So use me. Throw me under the bus. I'll be your crutch to get you out in the woods more if that's what it takes. I'm for the boys and girls out there, but mostly for the boys because that's the majority of our listeners. You know what to do. Go shoot a giant. We love you. We'll catch you next week. Peace.